Welcome to Spectrum, the show that discusses news and topics that affect Southern Nevada and the surrounding communities. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Welcome to the program. I've got two guests on the show this morning. Later, award-winning actress and author Lorraine Bracco from The Sopranos and Goodfellas. But first, I have known this guest, Stacy Escalante, for several years, first meeting her when she was a popular reporter for Channel 3 here in Las Vegas, and then later watching her battling and surviving stage 3 melanoma. Much of Stacy's life going forward has in Involved telling people what they can do to prevent skin cancer. Stacy founded Escalante Media, which is her speaking and public relations firm based here in Las Vegas. Stacy, welcome back to the program. And for people who don't know, tell me about your company, Escalante Media, and what you do. Thank you. Um, it's always good <laughs> to talk to you, Jim. Well, I've been, uh, you know, my background is in media and broadcasting. I've been in almost 20 years, and then uh, actually because I had cancer, it changed my life, and I decided that I needed to be with my kids more. So what I did was I started uh, Escalante Media. It's an LLC, and I help get companies in the spotlight, basically. It's uh, editorial coverage, so it's not advertising, and it. I have several clients where I just... Um, look at what stories they have, what they have going on, and then I pitch that to local media. I can also do national, and uh, and then that's it. It's it's using my background in a different way. You get booked as a keynote speaker all the time. I see that. And where are some of the places you've spoken recently? Well, I was very fortunate. I was able to go to Maui in October of last year. So nice. I had never... Yeah, it was great. I had never been there, and it was tourism safety for all of the islands, and um, they switch every year. They go to a different island, and so uh, they had the uh, big hotels and um, security organizations, and so I just talked to them about how to uh, make a bridge with media and you know how to um, use the media to get your message out. A lot of people are afraid of the media and they, they don't want to work with them. But, um, you know, there are some very good reporters out there. And if you build a rapport with them, it can be to your advantage. So I was able to speak at that conference. And uh, actually, I do some emceeing. There was just a tourism safety uh, conference in Las Vegas. And uh, and see that. I actually spoke at their conference a year ago, too, about media. Uh, so, yeah, I love doing that. I, I absolutely love doing it. I get asked to speak at different health organizations. Um, one, uh, the Los Prados, the women's club, they had me recently talk to them regarding uh, my cancer story and as a woman making sure that you put your health first. Obviously, you're a polished speaker, and you also you help people to become good speakers. Yes. I uh, do media training and uh, work with people either in a group or one-on-one -on -one and just help them hone their message. Uh, a lot of times, again, I say that people are afraid. They don't want to talk to the media, but you, my job is to empower people so that they can talk to them. And I've had some really neat success stories of people who would not ever talk and now they feel empowered and they want to get their message out there. So now yeah, we just go over the do's and the don'ts and give some good 
scenarios of, um, you know, role-playing and that kind of thing, a little bit of crisis um, management too, um, but also how to be proactive. You know, people in the media are always looking for stories, and if you, you know, have good ideas, they'll generally bring them up. So that's another thing that I do is um, I have a pretty good rapport with a lot of reporters, especially in Las Vegas, and they'll call me up. Stacey, do you have anything? I need a story. And, you know, sometimes it's not even my clients. It's just, you know, they need, they need a parent or they need, they yeah. need something. So, yeah. It's good. As a former TV reporter, were you your own worst critic? Uh, did somebody <laughs> tell you that? No, I'm just, I just imagine TV reporters going over, you know, tape of themselves and going, that was terrible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> gosh, I don't know. I always consider myself, like, Here's the deal. I, I consider myself old school. It was always about the story, right? I, I love telling a visual story, so different than a newspaper. But to me, that was always most important, was making sure my story was accurate as you know best it can. There's always critics out there. And then making sure that you, you know, that you told the story in a way that was interesting. Um, and then, you know, because it's a visual medium, you have to look good but that was always for me i was always rushing at the end trying to get my hair in place and yeah. you know, throw some throw some makeup on because i was always out in the field and you know the wind would be blowing and right. you're on deadline and yeah there there when we teach media training one of my cohorts um cj she cj boysbert she is one of my partners and she always says when we worked in news together She'd come in and, and I'd be sitting there looking at my story every night because I always wanted to get better, right? And I wanted to see what I yeah. did and my right. mannerisms and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, that the, the being on TV part wasn't as important as the story itself and, and being a storyteller. I mean, that's why I still absolutely love what I do because I'm able to bring stories to the media so it's in a different way, right? And I, I still get that excitement when a reporter is excited about a story. And, uh, you know, that that is very fulfilling for me. And, and you know, it's, uh, it, it's got to be tough for reporters and anchors these days. What with social media and anyone being able to comment about a news person's appearance or their technique, it's just got to be rough. You really have to have a thick skin. Yeah, you do. It's like water off a duck's back. I... I, I I had, I've been out 12 years and obviously we didn't have social media, but we had email and believe me, I, I got a lot of, you know, emails about things that I thought were superficial. I'd rather right. you talk to me about my story and that versus, you know, what my hair looked like or anything, you know, it, it's not as bad as for reporters, but I know for anchors, they definitely get an earful and, and, and people hide behind the computer or the social media, right? They, they don't have to say it to your face, so they feel that they can yep. say whatever they want. But, you know, we're people, and, and it hurts. But you have right. to just shake it off and know that, what is it? I don't know what the statistic is, but, you know, most people will say a negative thing before they will say a positive one, right? I don't know how many times I, I, that's what people are more likely to complain than to um, commend. Stacey Escalante joins me. Stacey, I know that you've gone to a game or two at the new uh, Las Vegas ballpark to see the, the Aviators. Fantastic, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. I love it. I was yeah. there 
uh, great, grateful to be there when it opened, and we stayed till pretty much the end. I know a lot of people left because the weather was pretty crazy, but oh my gosh, it's just fabulous. I, I love it, and uh, it's just so neat to see community, right? I mean, it's great to... I feel like we're going off the momentum of the nights and, and that yes. our city is rallying around sports. And so what I love is to go and you run into people and maybe people you haven't seen in a long time and it's families and it's just, it's just a really good energy. I'm so happy for the aviators and, and Don Logan. I I've known Don a long time and yep. I know this is Don and Jen and, this is a long time coming for them, and we can't believe it, right? It's like, is this real? For real? Yeah. This, this is ours, you know? And I know you're like me. I've worked in different markets where there have been great either college or pro sports teams, and, and you're right. It really gives you a sense of community. Uh, by the way, I immediately thought of you when I saw that the aviators have sunscreen dispensers available in the park. It's great, isn't it? I know. I know. That is becoming more of a, a common thing. I don't really know the story behind those, but it's definitely, you hear at the local water parks, uh, Wet and Wild and Calabunga Bay, that um, they're doing that. They're providing that for uh, their customers. And I think that's fantastic, and it's it's just a reminder of how important it is. You have a bit of good news. Your SunSmart uh, dispensers, it, you've done a lot of great work the last few years getting those put in different places. Tell me what, what's new with that. So I, I'm, on, I'm on the Nevada Cancer Coalition, the board of that as a cancer survivor, and then I also volunteer for the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. And so we work hand in hand, just putting different programs out. But one of the most important things we do is advocacy. We go to the state legislature, well, they're every other year, but we'll go to Carson City when they are in session. And then we also go every year to D.C. and we talk to our lawmakers in Congress and, you know, just talk about why cancer needs to be in the spotlight and, you know, all different subjects when it comes to cancer, not just skin cancer, but for me personally, I, I love when there's something out there that we're talking about that revolves around skin cancer. And so what we did on the state level, we passed on May 16th, the Senate Bill 159. It was unanimously passed by the Senate and the Assembly, and it is allowing sunscreen in kids' backpacks. If you bring sunscreen to school, if you're a student in Nevada and you bring sunscreen to school, it's considered an over-the-counter medication, which you're not allowed to have with you. Really? So you have to check it in with the nurse and all this. There's a lot of red tape. And so what we wanted is we wanted the ability for students to have it with them when they're outside playing or when they have after-school sports. Because you put it on in the morning and it doesn't, you know, last all day if you're sweating. And, and so it's a huge victory for both uh, the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network and the Nevada Cancer Coalition that this bill passed. And uh, it's, on a, it's going to also, there's going to be an educational component. So it's just bringing awareness to our youth that sunscreen is important. Uh, the ACS estimates that there's going to be 870 cases 
of melanoma this year in Nevada and that there will be 70 deaths from that. And so our numbers keep going up. So we, it's so important that we're out there uh, repeating this message because some people aren't listening. And I know that you have said before that each year there are more new cases of skin cancer than the combined incidence of breast, prostate, lung, and colon cancer. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's 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 the most you know common and but it's it's the most treatable and prevented preventative if if you catch it early. Um, but I don't know about you, Jim, in in your world of just life, people. I mean, people are constantly telling me what they're having cut cut off, and they went and got this checked. And you know, my mother, gosh, she's just a pincushion. They've been taking all kinds of things off of her recently. So it's just it's one of those cancers where it's very relatable. Um, you know, it, people they're more prone to getting it versus you know other kinds of cancer. For those who don't know, you were diagnosed with stage 3 melanoma. How are things going for you at the moment? I am doing really well. It's funny. I, I start to lose track. I was diagnosed in 2005, so what, 14 years? That's a biggie. 14 years cancer-free this year, and this is about the time that I was diagnosed, and I get my skin checks every six months, but other than that, I'm okay. I, I get. I have lymphedema in my left leg because I had a major surgery in my groin from the cancer. Right. But other than that, I mean, I cannot complain. I'm very, very blessed, very grateful that I've stayed cancer-free for 14 years. I know that you don't tell people to hide inside because I've seen... <laughs> Hundreds of your posts where you're actually out there doing stuff, you know, hiking and running and doing stuff actually all over the world. So you just, you want people to, to take, you know, preventative measures. Oh, yes. No, and my doctor said that because, um, you know, my dear father, he passed away in December of, of 2018 and he right. was such an advocate for me. And, and so he told, you know, he asked my oncologist, what, I don't want her doing this. What is she doing? And the doc, my doctor said she needs to do that, but she just needs to be smart about it. So, um, oh, that was the other thing with that, that bill. You can wear UV protective clothing, you know, because some people don't want to wear sunscreen, but there are all kinds of things on the market now. And, and that's what my doctor said. Just be smart, you know, wear long sleeves, wear the UV clothing uh, hat, find shade, find shade. Wait, I'm a, I'm a runner and a hiker. I don't have to go at the, you know, heat of the day in the middle. You know, I can go other times, but yeah, I absolutely, from, from water skiing to snow skiing to hiking, I'm a, definitely an outdoors person and that has not changed one bit. I just have to be smart and so far so good. Just be smart. If you're going to go out and, and you have a choice, try to go in the earlier hours or, you know, later on in the, in the day when the, when the sun's not as hot. Yeah. Um, sunglasses with UV, that, that is huge. I have what's called a pterygium on my eye because I didn't wear sunglasses when I was younger and I was outside a lot and, and my job I was doing outside. And so I have, it, it's noticeable. And so you want to make sure you cover your eyes. Um, Wide-brimmed hats, 
are good. Um, you know, you know, a lot of people forget their people are busy and, um, and bring your sunscreen with you versus, you know, a lot of times we have these people who go golfing. Oh, well, I put it on, but I didn't keep it with me. Um, so that's, that's important. And you want to wear um, 30 and above, and you want to apply it every two hours and SPF 30 and above. Just to wrap things up, where are some of those SunSmart dispensers in this area? So the sunscreen dispensers are not permanent. What we do is we'll bring them to different events and festivals. And um, I work with local nonprofits or, for example, the Brian Head Ski Resort up in Brian Head. Right. Uh, they'll have them, you know, for certain days or, you know, in the summer we're going to try and do that. I We teamed up with Calabunga Bay last year. So it's, there's we don't have anything permanent right now. We just go and, um, you know, special days we let people know and we let the community know. Is having a permanent places, is that something that you can actually shoot for, or is that just not really something that can be done? Well, it's a funding thing. It's a it's a funding issue. So we're working with the company, and, um, you know, we know sponsors would be awesome, right? And um, because you have to replenish the sunscreen. And um, so, yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested, you can call the Nevada Cancer Coalition if, with any ideas, but, you know, we're a nonprofit, so um, we get grants and, and we get generous donors, you know, but we're always looking for help in, in that regard. So if a business would want to sponsor one, that's always a, a good way to do it, right, and get your name out there. So there, there are all different ways we could do it. Just It's, it's still in its infancy, and we're, we're trying to figure that out. And if businesses want to order the dispensers, how do they do that? Well, you can go call Nevada Cancer Coalition or go on our website and then there's a contact and you can um, get more information that way depending on what you need because we're working with the company. It's called BrightGuard. But when we, when we order them or help, we get a credit. So we want people to go through the Nevada Cancer Coalition um, because it helps our nonprofit, which is all about prevention and, and education. So that's that's my best advice. Stacy, you're just the best. You do so much stuff around here and for, for so many people. We appreciate you here in this town. Aw, you're so great. Thank you, Jim. And I, I just, I, I appreciate you letting us get our message out. And, you know, just one more thing is that indoor tanning, that is a big no that that is that is not good and you know my dermatologist told me that she's seeing younger people with melanoma than ever before and a lot of it stems from that so despite the warnings people are still doing it so i just want to put that out there as well but i i appreciate your your interest in this subject and and grateful for the time and the tanning places there sure are a lot of them still aren't there oh yeah so yeah. what we did back in 2013, you know, we, we passed a law that restricted minors from using them. Um, so we've made progress. But, yeah, they're, they're still out there, and people can choose if they want to do it. But we really want to target our youth because what you do in your youth affects you later, and that's especially true with skin cancer. The more sunburns you have when you're younger, that's when it will 
have an impact. And, and that's why we want to educate our youth and really are focusing on schools because habits that you do when you're younger usually carry over to adulthood. Stacey Escalante of Escalante Media. And if you want more info, go to StaceyEscalante.com. Always great to talk to you and, and great to catch up. Thanks so much, Jim. It's just the way it is. Okay, l- let me talk. No, it's not the Prozac. I dream about you. I think about you all the time. I can't get excited about any other women. I love you. I know this may be very hard for you to swallow, but you're only feeling this way because we've made such progress. What? I've been gentle. That's my job. You've made me all of the things you feel are missing in your wife and in your mother. One of many great scenes from The Sopranos with Lorraine Bracco and the late James Gandolfini We will talk about what it was like to do those scenes, along with the many questions I have about Goodfellas. I've got Lorraine Bracco on the line right now. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Where are you today, by the way? I am in uh, Hamptons, New York. We had a big thunderstorm last night, but today it's beautiful. I'll bet it is. So I knew that you were a model in France uh, for a time in the 70s. But what I didn't know until recently was that you were on the radio over there. What what did you do? I was on the radio during the summer and I brought like a rock and roll show, Radio Luxembourg. And it was a lot of fun. I loved it. How did that come about? Um, I had a lot of friends, you know, in different... uh, uh, mediums in, in, in France, and um, uh, somebody said, you know, you should, tr- you should try to do that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then uh, <laughs> a friend of his approached me and said, would you like to do that? And I said, sure, I would love to do that if I could play the music I like and stuff like that. And he said, yeah, sure. What was the music that you liked? All, all rock and roll. Nice. And at the time of Police and Bruce Springsteen, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Is it true that the uh, the legendary Goodfellas did not test well uh, initially? That is true. It was too violent. Was Martin Scorsese, was he panicking a little bit? Or, I mean, what can you do when it doesn't test well? Well, I don't know if Marty was panicking, but I could sure tell you Warner Brothers was panicking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't really know. Um, you know, I wasn't there at any of the test screenings, so I really don't know. But it really became a... It didn't do very, very well in the box office. I mean, I don't think it broke $50 million. So that's, you know, that is considered, you know, maybe not a flop, but not a blockbuster movie. But over the time... You know, it really became a cult, a cult hit. You know, and on a side note, I had read that Paul Sorvino, who was in Goodfellas, got a little bit worried himself and kind of wanted out of the project because he thought he would wreck it. You know what? I don't really know anything about that. That's funny, though, because he was great in the movie. He was. And I think what what ultimately happened, uh, he said, was that he finally found his voice in that role and then he was OK with it. I, I get that. I understand that. What do you remember about auditioning and then finally getting the part? I didn't audition. Um, Marty uh, asked me to read the script, and then he asked me to come uh, have a drink with him and Ray Liotta, and that was that. 
I mean, it's like hitting the jackpot working with Scorsese, isn't it? Yes. Yes, he's a, he's, first of all, he's a phenomenal filmmaker. He's one of the great filmmakers of our generation. I mean, you've got Spielberg and uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Marty Scorsese. You know, there's, there's you know, a couple of them, a couple more of them. But, um, but yeah, it was definitely a jackpot. And I used to love that he had already a relationship with Robert De Niro and, and Joe Pesci. And he would call Ray and I the kids. Get the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it always made me laugh. Where's the kids? It was very funny. It really made me giggle. He was just such a great collaborator, a, a, an actor's director. Well, you know, proof to the pudding. I mean, he attracts, you know the greatest actors and actresses of our generation. So, you know, he's doing something, right? Speaking of Pesci, the Do I Amuse You scene with Pesci and Leota, that was something that actually happened to Joe, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, w- it is. Funny. So I recently rewatched the uh, Sopranos pilot, just extraordinary. Didn't David Chase want you to actually play Carmela? Well, that's, you know, he had originally wanted to meet me. Uh, was for Carmela, but when we met and we talked and and um, and I told him that I would rather play Doctor Melfi. Yeah. So he is was okay with that. Is that because you had just done a similar role as, as what Carmela was in terms of you know your Goodfellas role? Well, I think there's a part of that, but also I think you know it was years later and I was a different person and. And uh, we often, you know, it's funny, I saw David Chase, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it, and he said, oh, I don't think it would have ever worked if you played Carmela. <laughs> funny, you know, in, in looking back. And I have to say that your scenes with the late James Gandolfini were so touching and almost like watching a Broadway play. You must have really looked forward to those. I did. I don't think Jim did because he had to learn so many lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> but, um, yes, I adored working with him. Your book, To the Fullest, it's great. And I'm wondering what got you motivated getting into your own health. It's something that is very much a part of this book, and everybody was inspired by it. Well, the truth of the matter is is I, um, I watched my parents pass, and I watched them kind of fall apart. You know, they were very unhealthy, and uh, when I, they died nine days apart. Wow. And I swore to myself that this was not the way I wanted to die. I didn't want to die with pills and doctors and re- emergency room uh, visits and, and oxygen tanks. And I, I mean, it was just, there were so, they had so many things wrong with them. So I said that, well, if I was going to get healthy, I guess this was the time to start to do it. And it really motivated me into learning about foods and what we eat and and uh, why we eat it. And, and, you know, and I think the book is really smart that way. It really teaches you uh, what we're doing wrong and uh, and how we have to rectify. I mean, what we eat is what we are. I mean, we've heard it all our lives, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that it, it's been out for a while now that you've heard from a lot of people who've told you how great it has been for them. Oh, it's been amazing. It's, it's, in fact, it's been thrilling. I'm assuming the book, it was a bestseller. Is it still available on Amazon and other places? I believe so. 
So nice to talk to you, Lorraine Bracco. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I love what Lorraine said about Gandolfini being overwhelmed by the number of lines he had when he did scenes with her. And all I've heard about Lorraine Bracco is what a sweetheart she is and so easy to work with. Most recently, Lorraine has done great work on the series Blue Bloods, where she plays the mayor of New York City, and of course we wish her well. And also great luck to my first guest and the always generous Stacey Escalante. Thank you for tuning in this morning. I do hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at 7.30. Spectrum is hosted, written, and produced by Jim Tofty. If you have suggestions on future guests or topics, Please send them to spectrum at smiradio.com.